I'm going to dive right in. You guys ready to go? I'm just like, I'm, I'm fired up. Let's just go. All right, so here we go. I'm diving right in. And so I believe that God wants us to maximize our impact. So how do we do that? Well, one day Jesus was asked by his disciples, like basically, what's the most important command? What's the biggest deal for us to do? And Jesus said this, teacher, which is the most important commandment? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So basically Jesus says, if you want to summarize this entire book, it comes down to this. Love God and love people. That's really what it comes down to. There's another place in scripture where God said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And so what's his commands? Love me and love people. And that's the two things we're supposed to be doing. So the first thing I want you to write down, if you're taking notes, is God commands us to love him and to love others. We're supposed to be known by how much we love one another. And so it's a big deal. And so how do we do that? Well, look, check out the scripture. John 15, 13 says this. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And of course, we know Jesus is referring to what he was about to do for us when he gave his life for, for all of us. And so scripture says in John 3, 16, this is probably the most popular verse in all of the Bible. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What that means is this. If you accept Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you won't actually die. You'll just fall asleep and wake up in heaven. How cool is that? And so that's what the scripture says. Is God so loved the world that he gave his son. And so, and Jesus even said before he gave his life, he said, there's no, no greater thing you can do than to give your life for your friends. Think about this for a second. Isn't every great movie based upon that? Every great movie, some guy dies for other people. I mean, just time and again, you see this Harry Potter, right? He dies so everyone else can live. And then later, guess what happens to Harry Potter? He comes back to life again. Oh, I think I've heard this story somewhere, right? Braveheart, Gladiator. We could go on and on with all these movies where someone dies and then so other people could live, right? Because all great movies, all great stories are based on the greatest story ever told, which is that Christ gave his life for all of us. And so that's what it all comes down to. It really does. So... The greatest way to love God and others is to tell them about Jesus. That's the greatest way you can love someone else. Now, some people, when I say this, you know, we're supposed to be telling people about Jesus and inviting people to come to church so they can hear about Christ. Some people say to me, yeah, I'm more into worship. I'm more into discipleship. Well, okay, what is discipleship? That means you're growing close to God. Well, once you get close to God and you discover the Father's heart is for his lost children. I mean, if you're a parent and you can't find your kid, nothing else matters till you do, Right? And so if you want to know the heart of God, it's for his lost children. And so to grow as a, as a disciple in Christ means you say, God, I want to know your heart. And he says, here's my heart. There's a world that needs me. Tell them. Tell them about me. That's the heart of God. And so that is where, where our heart is also. There's a true story about a young boy at student camp. He goes up to his youth minister, and he's a little frazzled. It's lunchtime, and the youth minister sitting with a bunch of kids. And he sits down in front of the youth minister, and he's he reading through his Bible, and you can tell he's up late, and he says, hey, I need to ask you a question. The youth minister says, yeah, what's going on? He says, when is Jesus coming back? He's like, oh, well, that's a big question. I mean, theologically, he goes, no, 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 I need to know when. He was like, well, the Bible is pretty clear that we actually don't know exactly when, so I don't really have an answer for you. He goes, do you have any idea at all? He said, I'm really sorry, I don't, but what are you so worried about? I mean, I know you accepted Christ, so you're, you're going to heaven. What are you so worried about? He goes, I need to know for someone else. He says, who? He says, I need to know how long I have to convince my dad that Jesus is real so that he's ready when he comes back. See, that's real, isn't it? See, we forget 
sometimes because we're in the boat, because we're saved, because we've accepted Christ, that there's other people who still haven't. And so for us not to have a heart for them, we're basically flipping off the world saying, you can go to hell. And I'm not willing to do that. I bet you're not either. We're supposed to make a difference, we're supposed to reach out to them and supposed to help them. Just because you're in the boat doesn't mean there's other people that aren't swimming around that are drowning. So we need to reach out our hands and say, no, no, just come in. Just grab this oar. I'll, just, I'll pull you in. Just, just get a hold and just pull them in. God's called our church to be a church for the unchurched. You know what that means? That means we're going after people who don't know God. And so you're either unchurched, you don't know Christ, or you're underchurched. You know Christ, but you've walked away and we're trying to get you back in. Does that make sense? Yeah, they may still be saved, but they are not walking with God. We're going to bring them back. But we have designed this ministry. In case you're wondering, why are the walls black? Do they worship Satan around here? No, we don't. We don't worship Satan around here. You know, the seats, you know, why, why aren't these pews? You know, have you ever sat in a pew? That is the most uncomfortable chair ever, by the way. No, these are, these are supposed to be comfortable chairs. If it feels like a theater, it's supposed to. You know why? Because guess what people do in a theater? It's oftentimes the most emotional place people go. And so they let their guard down so they can really experience something emotional. We want them to do that when they come to church. Some people, the most spiritual thing they ever experience is going to a movie theater. And so that's why, hence what we're doing this week, at the movies to draw people in, to utilize movies that have been made in Hollywood. And we take those and we show clips of them and I teach from it. If you've never been to one of these messages series, you're, you're going to love it. I promise you it's really, really powerful. But we do things different. We're a church for the unchurched. We're, we're, we're designed to reach people who don't go to church. This is why we dress casual. You can dress how you want to dress. It's fine, you know, uh, because we don't want this to make, to make this a fashion show. It's not about that. It's about you coming to know God. And so that's all by design. None of it is an accident. There's all kinds of churches for all kinds of people. We're not knocking other churches. I want you to hear me loud and clear. We want all kinds of churches. We want to support them. So just understand that. Some people like a high church. They want like the organ music or the orchestra, and they like stand up and sit down and kneel down and stand up and sit down and kneel down. That's fine. And so for many people, that is a really spiritual experience, and it really moves them, and that's what they want. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people want a really emotional experience. There, there's churches where people come and they cry every week, and people come forward, and their hands are raised, and they're crying out to God, and people are yelling literally out to God and running around. I've literally seen people running around the outdoor, and you think, well, that seems weird to me. It may seem weird to you, but it may be really what someone else needs, so it's okay. That's what God has called that kind of person to go. There's other churches that are what I call intellectual churches. They're, they're, they're these kind of churches where the, the, the pastor sounds like more like a professor, right? And they're getting all these, these, these you know, big pieces, and the Greek says this, and the Hebrew says that, and all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not who we're called to be. I, I hope and pray I'm preaching something that's truth and that's transformative, though. But there's all kinds of churches for all kinds of people. We're designed for lost people. This is also why that when we do have an emotional time and there's nothing wrong with that, there's times there, there's, we kind of put the brakes at some level. In other words, like when people come forward, if you're unchurched and you don't know God yet, you may not know what I'm talking about. But some people come and they like speak in tongues and come on stage. We don't do that here. I didn't say there's anything wrong with it, though. But you know why we don't do that? Because we're trying to reach unchurched people and they think that's weird. Does that make sense? And so I didn't say it's weird. I'm not knocking you. If you've experienced that, praise God. If God's used that in your life, that's great. We just don't do it here. Why? Because we're trying to reach people. Let me tell you who we're trying to reach. Someone who is miniskirt chasing, beer drinking, want to party. I don't know God. I'm trying everything the world has to offer. We're trying to reach that person. That's who God's called us to reach. And so we want to set up camp right next to hell and catch them by the ankle before they go and go, no, you're not going anywhere. You're coming into heaven with me. That's what God has called us to do. So I believe every church should be like the public swimming pool you used to go to as a kid. Remember going to the public swimming pool? Remember? These were so cool like 20 years ago. Right now we're like, oh, that's sketch. I'm not going there. What are you talking? But it was cool back in the day. You know what I'm talking about? 
You go to the public pool, right? And it's this huge pool. And they were so dangerous back then. You remember this? Like they had like 20 feet deep. You know, you're like, who does that now? Like you're like asking for someone to die. You know, it's crazy, right? 20 feet deep, they had like the low dive and the high dive. They wouldn't even build these things anymore. They're so dangerous, right? But they had the low dive, the high dive. I remember going as a kid, I wanted so bad to go off the high dive. You know, that was so cool, you know? I remember I was like eight, nine, 10 years old. And that was like the big thing that like, you know, you want to be a big boy, you went off the high dive. I remember getting them on it, you know, seeing it so tall. And then you climb up it and you get up there and you're like, whoa, it's way taller up here. You guys know what I'm talking about? I remember walking to the end of it, just sitting there and you'd be like, oh my gosh. I thought, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I was like, this is so scary. And there's always some kid behind you going, hurry up. You're like, just give me a second. Right? You know what I mean? You're like, oh, Timothy, you're like, I know they're going to come push me off. I don't just jump off, you know? So scary, you know? But, but the truth is, is I thought that I was, you know, I need to go off the high dive and go into the deep because going deep shows that I'm mature. That's what I thought that was. You know, but the truth is, is that the people who are wanting to look mature are all swimming in the deep end, but really it's a bunch of 10 and 12-year-olds that want to look deep, that want to look mature. But, you know, churches are kind of like this, that, that if you, a church really should be a, a public pool, which means you have one group of people who aren't even in the pool. They're not even saved yet. They've never accepted Christ yet. And so what they're doing is they're coming up and they're just like, well, I just want to see. Is it... It's a little cold, right? And you're like me. I'm just like, just push it, man. Let's just get in. I just want to just jump right in, right? But some people are like, whoa, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. They want to go nice and slow. Slow is painful to me. I'm like, no, let's just get in, right? But everyone's different, right? And so you got some people who aren't in the pool yet. You got some people who are in the shallow end. They just got in. They're just kind of learning how this works, right? And then eventually they, they begin to kind of mosey over into the, to, to, the, to the mid area and then eventually into the deep area, right? But the truth is, is that when I was a little kid, I thought the way you were mature is if you went off the deep, into the deep end, off the diving board, and I thought that was maturity. But the truth is now looking back, I realized that actual mature swimmers were in the shallow end helping other people get in the pool. They were teaching other people how to swim. The best swimmers aren't focused on themselves and how they look to other people. They're actually trying to help someone else get in the pool. So that's real maturity. So as a church, we're called to bring people to God's house and help them get in, help them experience what we've experienced. In fact, the best swimmers, guess what they're doing? They're over there and they're kicking their legs and they're in the deep end. They're like, or, or, or they're in the shallow and helping someone. But at first they're trying to get someone to pull. They're like, just come to me, come to me. And you don't even see their legs. They're swimming the whole time. They're just not bragging on it. They're just doing it. They're just swimming the whole time. They're like, just, just come in. And they're focused on others. They're not focused on how they look. We know in today's world, we're always like, do we look spiritual? Do we sound spiritual? Why don't we just actually be spiritual? Amen. Instead of trying to look, look like you're close to God on Instagram, why don't you just put Instagram up and just get close to God? Yeah. Instead of trying to look like you have it all together, let's just actually get it together and just honor the Lord and follow him and do what he's called us to do. So God has called us to be a, a, a church that's got people that aren't in, that are in the shallow end, and, that, and if you're really going to become deep, you go back into the shallow end and bring someone else with you and bring them in to experience what you've experienced. And so I want to teach you this. It's a really simple principle. Matthew 28 says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. You know, many of us think all nations, that sounds really cool, but I'm not really a missionary pastor. I mean, I'm not going to go, you know, cross an ocean and live in Africa or live in, you know, Europe somewhere or Asia to win people to Christ. I don't feel called to do that. I don't think I'm going to be very good at that. But, you know, to reach all nations, you don't have to cross an ocean. Today, you can just cross the street. You know, my neighbors on both sides of me, both are from different countries. So I can actually reach all nations by simply walking 20 feet in either direction. 
In the same way, I bet you're like that. Think about it. Your apartment complex you live in probably has 30 different nations in it. And so we can now reach... You know the, did you know the third most unreached people group in the world today is America? We are now in a post-Christian nation. I know that may depress you, but it, it, we're just not admitting it. But so much of our nation is, no longer, is really not Christian any longer. Now, there's certainly a big remnant of us, but rather than complaining about it, why don't we recognize that what's going to change our nation is not politics. It's going to be winning people to Christ. It's heart change we need, not policy change. That's what really leads to lasting change. So would you help me in winning people to Christ? God has called all of us to do that. So how do you do that? You use your influence. How do you do that? You just invite someone. And so you may say, but pastor, I don't really know the words to say to someone. If I start talking about Jesus, they may ask me questions I don't know the answer to. Look, I don't mean this arrogantly, so don't take this wrong, but I do know those words. So if you'll use your influence to bring them, I'll communicate the gospel to them. Does that make sense? And we can be a team together. You bring them, I'll talk to them. You bring them, I'll talk to them, okay? And by the way, the more you hear me talk to them, the more you can talk to them too. I'm not saying you can't. You, you should. I, I encourage you to. You know, you know, I love the way we pray the salvation prayer together at the end. You've prayed it so many times. You know it. And you can lead someone else now in that same prayer. And so I want to encourage you that we are called, though, to be a church for, for people who don't like church, who aren't in the church, so we can bring them in. I have found that people don't really have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with Christians. So if we'll just live a life of authenticity, a, a real life of faith, that's real and that really cares for people, then people, I'm, I'm telling you, I've never met anyone who has a problem with the real Jesus. No one's ever said to me, yeah, that guy that really walked on water and healed people and you know, helped the, the, the sick become healed and the blind to see. I don't like him. Never heard that once. I've heard, man, these Christians, I can't believe. I've heard that a lot. And so we are called to give people the authentic real deal. And so I think it's such a big deal that we learn to do that. And so I want to give you the reasons behind at the movies. Number three is to use your influence, though, uh, to bring someone next week to at the movies. So what is the reason behind at the movies? Uh, some people have questioned this tactic that we've used in the past. They're like, I don't know about this movies thing in church. What are we doing here? First of all, we don't show the whole movie if you've never been to it. We actually just show clips of it and kind of talk through it. And we use it as a teaching point uh, along the way. So that's kind of what we do with it. But the reason behind at the movies is I believe the Apostle Paul would have done the same thing. Look what he said in 1 Corinthians. He said, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. So he's like, if you're into sports, I'll be into sports to help you receive Christ. If you're into movies, I'll do movies to help you receive Christ. Does that make sense? So he's like, I just want to get some common ground with you and help you connect so we can bring you in and, and tell you about Christ. So I believe that if, if the Apostle Paul was here, he would be moving to Hollywood to make movies or to utilize those movies to tell other people about Christ. And so we, that's all we're trying to do, which is not a new strategy for us. We, we've always tried to use a lot of creativity. I try to use a lot of humor. We try to use a lot, a lot of more modern music, things like that, to really relate to people because I've never uh, been able to, I've never had anyone get in the car with me, turn on the radio and start pushing buttons and be like, I'm trying to find some good Hindle music, not even once. And so if you're going to reach people who are far from God, you've got to relate to them where they are. By the way, there was a pastor who criticized this new church style and music. Uh, they were criticizing someone who um, writes a lot of this new music. I want to read this quote to you. This is amazing. This is the words of an American pastor objecting to the new trends in church worship music. Check out what this pastor said. Because you may have someone criticizing the fact that we're doing at the movies, 
Well, they, that same person probably also criticizes how we do our music and worship as well. So here's what this pastor said. There are several reasons for opposing it. One, it's too new. Two, it's often worldly, even blasphemous. The new Christian music is not as pleasant as the more established style because there are so many songs you can't learn them all. It puts too much emphasis on instrumental music rather than godly lyrics. This new music creates disturbances, making people act indecently and disorderly. The preceding generation got along without it. It's a money-making scene, and some of these new music upstarts are lewd and loose. You know who wrote that? An American pastor attacking Isaac Watts, the father of American hymnody, in 1723. He was making fun and knocking and criticizing the hymnal because it was too new. Did you know that? Because Isaac Watts, he wrote a little song, maybe you've heard of it, it's called Joy to the World. Think about that, isn't that crazy? That was new. Did you know all those songs, all the songs in the, in the original hymnal, guess what they were? They were all written to bar tunes. And so what I'm trying to say is Isaac Watts was someone who gave his life to Christ that wanted to do music just for the world, but then God changed his life, and so he said, now I'm going to use my music and my talents for God. He was the Kanye West of his day. He gave his life to Christ and said, I'm going to use all the talent I have now for God and not for myself. I know that seems radical to us, but that's the truth. And so I want to encourage you to know that that's what we're trying to do. We're just simply trying to use the tools and the technology and the music and the language and the entertainment of today to reach people for Christ. That's why we do at the movies. It's powerful and it works. Don't miss out on this opportunity to bring someone. In fact, because I feel so compelled, I want to encourage you to get out your phone right now, and we're going to take our first step to bringing someone to church next week. So if you go right now to churchunlimited.com backslash share, just do that right now. Would you pull out your phone? Just go to churchunlimited.com. Once you got one of those jitterbug phones, and you really need to update your phone. But <laughs> anyone else? Churchunlimited.com backslash share, and you can just click on that little button right there uh, when you get there. And it'll automatically populate a text message for you. And all you have to do is put in someone's name. And you can invite someone right now to at the movies next week. I want to encourage you to all campuses. Maybe you're watching online. Please do that right now. Churchunlimited.com backslash share. And you can invite someone to church right now. Now that's great, but it's not enough. We're glad you're doing it. That's step one. But just because you text someone doesn't mean they're, they're coming yet. Then we also, by the way, at all of our campuses, have given out an at-the-movies popcorn pack. Please do not let this sit in your car. First of all, in your South Texas, it'll actually pop in your car. <laughs> so please do not leave this in your car, okay? Instead, give this to a family or friend that you know, someone that you know, and say, hey, I want to invite you to come to at-the-movies with me next week. Tell them, you, know, you can pop this at home. Don't, don't bring this with you. We're going to have popcorn here. Okay, but tell them that we're actually going to have popcorn in church. We'll provide you popcorn, a drink. You can come into church and you can enjoy it while you're watching a movie. It's a totally new experience with church. It's really cool. By the way, do you know we're not only just doing that the movies with the adults, we're doing it with kids and, and youth too. So our students are doing like Marvel type stuff uh, for their movies. Our kids are doing kids movies. We're doing adult movies, not, not like a, adult movies. Don't, like, Movies for adults. I don't know how you, how you say that. Okay, anyways, you get the point. So don't miss this. It's going to be great. I promise you, you won't want to miss the series, but invite someone to come. Um, it's a game changer. So here's the other thing I want to tell you, though. This is important. You'll never make your greatest impact alone. We just, we're just not that good alone. 
we're much better with a team. You make your greatest impact by teaming up with others. You know, last year, everyone was like, oh, man, LeBron's putting together a superstar team. He's going to crush everyone. That was last year. Now, how's that working out? He's not even in the playoffs anymore. Why? Because you can have good players that all become a cohesive team will beat the best superstars. And so this was the Spurs for years, by the way. I mean, they had some really, really good players, but it wasn't really one superstar, was it? For years, it was really team. And so guess what? Teams always come together to beat superstars. And so I want to encourage you that, you know, you may say, well, I, I invite people every once in a while to church. That's great. And we're glad you do that. But what would happen if we all teamed up together to do that at the same time? Something big could happen. Just imagine if we all invited someone and brought them to church next week. That's 10,000 of us all bringing someone. That's powerful, isn't it? I mean, that's amazing when you think about the impact we can have together. You know, my, my boys are into weightlifting, and so clearly I am too. <laughs> I'm also into eating. That's the problem. But anyways, uh, so they love all this weightlifting stuff. So I, I'm, I'll be watching like a YouTube video with them about some strength guy. They're, you know, this is a new thing. Do this and do that to get stronger. And so, but have you ever watched those strength competitions where the guys are like strapped up to like some big Mack truck and they're pulling it, you know, with a rope, you know? I'm sure it's how you work out. Anyways, so they're pulling it with this rope and they're like, yeah, they're trying to do it, you know? And so they have them all lined up. And they have like World's Strongest Man contest. At the end of it, they always, after the competition's done and some person's won, they always take the, the first, uh, the, like the number one, number two guy, and they put them together and they strap them to like three or four trucks and two guys can pull like double or triple the amount. Just getting together with someone else, getting on the same page, going in the same direction is so much more powerful. I think the Bible says that where two or more are gathered, I am there. So there's power in that, isn't there? Look at Ecclesiastes says about that. It says this. It says two people can accomplish more than twice as much, more than twice as one. They get a better return for their label, for their, for their label, for the label, for their labor, sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. The truth is we are much more effective when we are team up together. When I was a little kid, I remember we, we had, um, after, after, at the end of the school year, our class, we had like this class competition. Did you ever do this at your school, like the elementary school? It'd be like, wear your grubby clothes tomorrow for the last day. We're all going to go outside and play games all day. It was, it was a lot of fun. And so our class competed against other classes, right? And so I'll never forget this. They had a tug of war, and they had this giant rope lined up, and they had like a little muddy center that you didn't want to be pulled into. We all got on either side. Our whole class is on one side, another class is on the other side. And we'd pull, we're like, okay, who's going to win? And we didn't have any really big kids on our, on our, in our class. I was definitely not big. I was like an amoeba. I was so tiny. But anyways, I was lined up, you know, pulling as hard as I could. And I remember some kid in the very back just started to coordinate. So all he did was say, okay, everybody ready? One, two, three, pull. And we're like, oh, okay, pull harder. So one, two, three, pull. One, two, three, pull. We did this. We beat every class that day. And we weren't bigger than any of them. We just had someone coordinating us, just getting us all to pull at the same time a little harder, just all at once. It worked. So you know what we're doing this next week with At The Movies? We're going to say, one, two, three, bring them. One, two, three, bring them. One, two, three, say it with me, bring them. One, two, three, bring them. One, two, three, bring them. And we can make a much better impact if we all bring our friends and family on the same weekend. That's what we're doing this next week. It's a huge impact. Now, I've been studying inviting for a long time. I call it invitology. I'm going to get this word in the dictionary one day. In the study of inviting, which is called invitology, here's what I know. You can text someone, and I'm glad you did. You can give them a bag of popcorn. I'm glad you're going to do that too. That's great. You can invite them, and that's all good. But the most powerful way to get them to come is to say, I'll pick you up at this time. Now they're like, oh, 
Okay, I better be ready, right? First of all, if you're inviting someone to your church, whatever campus you go to, there's at least hundreds of people, whatever, even the smallest campuses have hundreds of people, okay? So think about that for a second. So you're inviting them to come to a place they've never been before, pull into the parking lot, they didn't know anyone there but you, and they have to somehow find you? I mean, that is a nightmare. So no, no, say them all that. Say, I'm going to come pick you up. Go pick them up. Don't be cheap. Say, hey, come to church with me. I'm going to buy you lunch afterwards. Whatever you want on the extra value meal menu, you can get at McDonald's. I will go all out. Okay? Taqueria number 36. We're going to go. It's going to be great. There's lots of them, right? I'm not making fun of that. I love that. I love living where there's every five feet another taqueria I can eat at. I love that. Do not let my white skin fool you. Okay? I, I love that. Some people marry into the culture. I'm eating my way into culture one meal at a time. Either way. <laughs> but invite them to come to church with you and say, I'm going to take you to lunch afterwards. Or if you have a boat, this is really great. You can say, hey, you know what? You want to go boating on Sunday? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Come to church with me. Then after that, they'll be like, oh, man, you, you duped me. You can smile and say, yes, I did. I'll pick you up for church. Then we'll go boating afterwards. You have a really nice boat. Pull it into the parking lot. We'll all go with you. It'd, be, it'd probably be a lot of fun. But I want to encourage you. What, what, what am I saying? I'm saying, at whatever cost, any means, bring someone. Don't just invite them. Bring them to church. Pick them up and bring them to church with you. Look what the scripture says. Luke 14, 23 says this. The master told the servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. There is no joy in heaven with empty churches. God wants his house to be full. And so he actually says, compel them. One translation says compel. Another translation says make them. Some of you are like, I can't make somebody do something. Oh, if you're a parent, you can. You don't talk about parents. Oh, yeah, we're good at it, right? I'm going to make you clean your room. You're cleaning your room. Right? You know how you make them? You bribe them. Let's not, let's not lie. That's parenting nowadays, right? It's just bribing is all it really is, right? I know a lady, no lie. She, she told her son, yeah, I will pay you $100 if you come to church with me. He did, and he accepted Christ. That is the cheapest 100 bucks she ever spent. Praise God. You said, well, that's bribery. Yep, sure is. But they came and they experienced God. And so it works. Another translation says, press them. Or how about this, impress them. Like, use your influence. Hey, man, you got to come with me. This is a very different week. I'm not in the church. No problem. Do you like movies? Yeah. Then you'll like this week. Why? We're doing the movie in church. Like, well, you just watch the movie? Yeah, yeah, this is really cool. It's a new concept. You got to come check it out. Okay, all right, fine. You know, just, just, just drag them in. All of our different atriums have different themes. We've got Marvel themes. We've got Pixar themes. We've got uh, Star Wars theme here at the broadcasters. All the campuses are doing different themes. And so it's going to be really fun. Your kids are going to freak out when they walk in. And so there's just no reason not to bring them to church. I want to challenge you, compel them to come. When I was in eighth grade, we moved across town in Houston to the northwest side. And I was in eighth grade, and I, I had this locker that was right next to a guy named Sean. Sean's last name was close to mine. And so we just always had lockers together because of that. And so uh, Sean was like super cool, and I wasn't, okay? I was like Billy Graham Jr., nobody wanted to hang out with me, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, everyone loved Sean. He was super cool. All the girls liked him. You know, we both played football together, which meant I was on the sidelines. He was actually in the game, but that's okay. <laughs> so I, I was friends with Sean, and, you know, he was like, he would say this to me. He goes, you're a Christian, but you're cool. You know, so he's basically saying, like, I don't think Christianity is cool, but I think you're cool. So that's fine, but I was going to use my influence. So I, did, I didn't have the words for this, but I was just like, how can I get Sean to come to youth group with me? So my youth minister one day announced, hey, we're going to do a lock-in at the YMCA. We're going to rent out all night. Just bring your friends. I was like, oh, this is cool. This is perfect to get Sean there. So I was like, how can I get him to come? And I knew Sean was really into the girls, which I was too. I just didn't have any like, opportunities, but he had all the opportunities. You know? <laughs> so, but there was this one girl he really liked. And so I was trying to get him to come, and I knew I couldn't really get him. I was like, I don't think he cares. But I noticed he liked this one girl, so I thought, I'll get her to come. So I convinced her to come 
to the, uh, the lock-in. So I was like, hey, you want to come to lock-in? Oh, no, dude, that's like a church. I'm not doing that. You know, so-and-so's coming. He's like, oh, she is? I was like, yeah. And he's like, I'm there. <laughs> so I used a girl as a lure to get him there. That sounds so wrong in 2020, and I, I know that, but that's what I did, okay? So I was like, she's going to be there? He's like, oh, I'm there. So then he said, can I bring my friends? I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. This is great. So now I'm sitting with all the popular people in my school, like, how did I get here? This is so cool. I don't know how this happened, but now I'm like in with the cool crowd. Anyways, but so we're sitting there, and, and, and Sean's there, and he's got two, three of his friends, and this girl's there, and he's, you know, like hitting on her the whole time. And so they're hanging out, and, and we're, we're playing basketball, and we're eating pizza, just having a good time. And about two in the morning, our youth minister says, hey, everyone come to the middle of the, of the court. Everyone put the balls down. Let's sit. I'm just going to talk to you about 10 minutes. So I knew what was coming. I was like, yes, this is it. This is it. I remember just praying, God, please, please, please let Sean hear this. So we're sitting there, and he tells the gospel, and he does a great job. I, I don't remember it that well, but I remember going, yep, that's it, that's it. It's like, and Jesus came, and he died for your sins, and he loves you, and he rose again. He just explained the whole thing. And I kept looking over at Sean, but Sean wasn't paying much attention. He's like, psh, psh, just kept talking to this girl, and I was like, oh, man, the girl got him here, but now the girl's distracting him, you know. I'm just praying, God, please just use this. So the youth minister says, everyone bow your heads. And everyone bowed their head. And so I'm doing the whole cheat thing, right? I'm like, my eyes are closed. I'm looking at Sean and Oldman. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, when you bring a friend to church, you're like, I'm praying. <laughs> so I'm just like, please, God. So they pray the prayer of salvation, right? And he goes, now, if you just gave your life to Christ, just slip your hand in here. I looked. Sean's hand went up. Not only Sean, the girl's hand went up and his two friends. So then afterwards, I didn't know what to say. I didn't have the words. I was like, hey, man, I'm glad you came. Are you glad you came? And he was like, yeah, this has really been cool, man. Thanks. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to be honest. I didn't really talk to him about God past that. I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of words. I didn't know what to say. But in my spirit, I knew I, I did my part. You know, I can't make him accept Christ, but if I could just get him there. And I got him there for all the wrong reasons, but he left with the right reason. Does that make sense? He just... Just get him there. Five years later, our lockers are still next to each other because our last names are so close. Sean partied a lot. He slept with a lot of girls in our high school, and he was like the man. I was total opposite of this. And so, but we were still friends. He was like, hey, man, what's up? You know, we say, hey, what's up, dude? And we talk, you know, a little bit, just nothing, small talk. You know, he'd like walk up with like girls around him like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Sean, one night, used his fake ID for probably the hundredth time to go into a bar and uh, got really plastered and drove his Mustang GT about 120 miles an hour, decided to take a turn at that speed, flipped it, and he died. I will tell you this. I didn't really plan that out. I, 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 I didn't know the future. I didn't know what was coming down the road. But I'm so glad that God put Sean on my heart. Because I know one day I'm going to go to heaven. And when I walk through those pearly gates, I don't know who's going to be at that gate, but I think I know one guy that will be. That he'll say, hey, dude, you duped me, bro. <laughs> I did. And he's going to say, thank you. Because I didn't know how short my life would be. But I've been in heaven all this time. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of Sean's. Do you? Is the Holy Spirit maybe putting someone in your heart right now? That we just don't know how long we have with them. We don't. I mean, I would assume we were so young we had lots of time, but 
but he didn't. We, we don't know. So let's do our part. Let's make an impact. Let's invite. Let's bring someone. So here's my last point. Next week, don't bring your excuses. Bring your friends. Don't bring your excuses. Bring your friends. I want to challenge you to do that. And if we do this together, we can make a huge impact. That's the kind of church we are. We're the kind of church that gets movies, splices them up, brings in popcorn, is okay with other Christians and other churches maybe not liking how we do it because it's worth the risk to get people saved. That's the kind of church we are. That's who we are. Right now, with, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, can we just take a moment to pray? Don't peek. I know you want to now. Don't peek. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Have you, have you given your life to Christ? Have you received him? We're going to pray a simple prayer, and you can receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior right now. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, this is how you do it. You just say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please come in my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose again. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed across all of our campuses, those who are watching online, if you just gave your life to Christ, would you just lift your hand high? No one's looking around. Just lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ. Thank you. There are hands going up all across our campuses right now. Thank you. Praise God. Wow. Hands everywhere. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hold your hand high. Praise God. If you're online right now, just put it in the, in the chat right now. Just text it. Say, my hand's raised. If you're at churchunlimited.com, you can click the button that says hand raised. Just let us know right now. Wherever you are, whatever campus, just lift your hand high. Praise God. You're not alone. Praise God. Just like my friend Sean, you're going to go to heaven one day. Whenever you die, we don't know when that day is coming, and I hope it's a long time from now, but have you seen the stats on death? They're crazy. 100 out of 100 people die. So we need to be ready. Thank you for giving your life to Christ. You can put your hands down. Now, in a spirit of prayer, we're going to do something different right now. At all of our campuses, those who are watching online, in the spirit of prayer, I want you to ask you to stand to your feet and look right at me. Would you do that? In the spirit of prayer, just stand to your feet right now across all of campuses. Go ahead and hop up. Just look right at me. God has called me right now to be his general for this church. So right now, the Bible says in Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And, lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's what it says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And so right now, you know what we call that verse? Scholars call that the Great Commission. So I want to right now commission you in the name of Jesus to go be an ambassador this week and invite and bring someone back to your church so that they can experience the life-changing power of Christ. I commission you in the name of Jesus to do 
your job. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've given us influence. You've given us friendships. You've given us connections. Lord, I thank you for the person that we go to Little League with. I thank you for the person that we sit in the stands and cheer on each other's kids with. I thank you for the person we work out with, we hang out with, we, we go to dinner with. I thank you for the person we text and chat and hang out. Lord, I thank you for the person that we play Xbox with. I thank you, Lord, for the person that we play basketball with. I thank you, God, for the person that we see at the gym. I thank you, God, for our neighbor. I thank you, Lord, for my coworker. God, please put on my heart who you're commissioning me to reach and to bring to church this next week. Lord, I will do my job. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true. Thank you. You may be seated.